My name is Matt Brown. Makes it. Two-point lead. Three seconds left. No timeouts. Neal inbounds. Desmond Cambridge. And let's start the show. 12 seconds left. Spread the floor. Up top with the ball. Off the dribble. We're going to get a three here. Long three. No good. Rebound. And another three. And it's good. Oh. Shot the three. Got the offensive rebound. Kicked it back out for the three. They hoist it up. And since it. Oh, my God. Oh. With two tenths of a second left. I got to see if it's good. He banked it in from like 50, 60 feet to tie the game. Hey, everybody. What is going on? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, March 2nd. 2023 and we have an amazing absolutely amazing productive conversation for you talking all things men's college basketball as we approach the conference championship tournaments but before we talk all things men's college basketball and we take a step up from last year's men's college basketball coverage, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So this is the first episode of March 2023. It's already March. We're already in the third month of the year 2023. And yeah, February went like that. It really, really did. And with March comes a lot. And I mean a lot of quality content and a very busy time for this show. We have March Madness, obviously, and we're getting prepped for that this month. The start of baseball, the Oscars, so much to do, so much is ahead of us. We have a very busy month ahead. And on top of all those big events, we have some other regular conversations with amazing, incredible people who are beyond regular. So we are about to kick off a very busy month for the Productive Conversations podcast, March 2023. So why don't we start with some men's college basketball coverage and it is going to be a very very good show we started covering men's college basketball last year well first year last year with the team i did it the first year of the show by myself and now we have a little team and we have only added to it. So Alex Rinellio is back. Brandon Gutierrez is back. And we added Hayden Nather to our men's college basketball crew. And we will take you all throughout the month of March. So the way that this particular podcast is going to go, we're going through all of the conferences, talking SEC. We're talking Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, and then we're talking next to those Power Five conferences. We're talking about the Big East and the Big Sky and the AAC and the Mountain West and the Western Conference WCC, the NEC, where my brother is a member of, who my uh, a conference my brother is a member of. 
you know, go Wagner Seahawks. So lots to do, and there's a lot to talk about, and there are some crazy stories. Obviously, the Brandon Miller story that is unfolding in front of our eyes, being the best player on the best team and on their pursuit of the national championship we know his firearm incident that we are going to get in depth with. We'll talk about other schools that really can make a push. Tennessee, Houston, Purdue's always in the mix. And teams that are underachieving and trying to get in by the skin of their teeth. Villanova, for instance. And I mean, seriously, every single conference gets their fair share of time. We give very early picks. We talk about the Division One committee's top 16 teams and where they're projected to go in the tournament and yeah as we get you ready to fill out your brackets as we prepare for march madness we will start this month off with a very in-depth state of the college basketball union so that's what it all is about today talking all things men's college basketball in the ncaa so why don't we do that a huge improvement from last year's coverage, and we're going to be more in-depth and have a lot more fun with it for the next month. So let's get to it. Brandon Gutierrez, Alex Ranelli, and Hayden Nadler. Let's talk all things men's college basketball right here, right now. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Men's college basketball this year, it has really, really lived up to the hype. We have... The number one seed changing on a weekly basis. We're seeing the rise of these smaller schools making a push. We're seeing some what were former top schools having a humble year, Villanova, for instance. And so much fun in between. Conference championships are just about to take place. And let us talk all things men's college basketball as we approach Selection Sunday and get ready for March Madness. So with us today here in the productive college men's college basketball so we have alex finale and brady gutierrez returning what's up guys good to see you again how's it going what's up man happy to be back let's do it yeah and then we have hayden nather joining this team right. as well great to see you again hayden great to see you too all yeah. right so fun stuff ahead and as i said you know don't forget three years ago the tournament was completely canceled Look how far, and we know what happened. There was this pandemic. And look how far it's come since then. And as I mentioned, it seems that I would love that you chime in. It feels that there isn't a a real clear favorite in this tournament this year. I know people like Houston, people like Bama and uh, UCLA, for instance. But there seems to be it seems to be up for grabs right now. Don't you guys agree as a whole? Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of parity this year. So, I figured the best way to go through it is go through these major conferences. Then, um, as I mentioned, then the D1 committee, since we're doing early enough, released their projected top 16. And we go from there and breaking down all these major schools and having a lot of fun with it. So, let's go through each major conference and uh, let us. Get you all ready to fill out your brackets in a couple of weeks. So let us start with the Big Ten Conference. And and um the Big Ten Conference, particularly this year, I think uh people would like to say it seems like this 
entire conference has like a solid eight to 10 teams that can make it. We have Purdue, Purdue making an impact. Indiana trying to make their strides with Mike Woodson, uh, trying to give them legitimacy again. It seems Indiana really hasn't had that presence like they used to with Bobby Knight. Who would have thought like teams like Northwestern and Maryland doing really well. Iowa has been falling a little bit, but they're uh, hanging in there. And uh, then we have other teams that Looking good and not so much the case, whether it's an Ohio State that is underachieving. Wisconsin isn't the same. Penn State has uh, had a down year. Uh, A lot is going on in the Big Ten this year to start it off. So out of these schools I've mentioned and some others, which ones are really uh, eye-opening for you guys, talking all things Big Ten right now? Um, I mean, I think one of the schools that you have to look, look at too is um Rutgers. I feel like they've had a pretty good year. Um, they mm-hmm. were usually known as a uh, college football powerhouse where they get the McCordys played at NFL there. They had before the whole domestic violence incidents. They had Ray Rice. They've had a, I have a, I've had a lot of pros for the NFL. Uh, Rutgers it's perennially known as a football school, but I feel like the last couple of years they've actually done pretty well in basketball. Last year, last year I believe they made the tournament as well. Uh, previous, I think I even want to say they won a game. They won a game in the NCAA tournament recently. Uh, one of the last two years they've had they've been pretty good recently over over the last couple of years this year they're 18 and 11 in the big 10 um, i think they're going to make the tournament as of right now they're in bracketology they're projected to be in i think as like a probably a, i think a 10 seed mm-hmm. anywhere from seven to yeah. ten in that range um definitely they've been they've been very surprising this year and i think another team too that people are going to take a look at and although they, they might they are one of the first four out right now but actually is really surprised people is uh, penn state uh, Micah Strasbury, their, their coach, they've done a terrific job uh, this year uh, as a basketball program. They haven't been very good in a while, so it's nice to see them kind of get back to relevance, be able to compete with a lot of these schools. Um, they have right now, Penn State is, uh, they are currently right now for basketball, which is, I want to say about 18 and 14 around there, or they're, they're around that. They're around 18 that. and 12. So, yeah, they have a, they've had a very good record this year, Penn State. So I feel like that's one of the schools where, um, they have they have a new coach uh, Shrewsbury. Their their coach could get a uh, another job offer after that to lead a big time program. He's done a great job at Penn State. With um with these conference tournaments, I mean, there's always a shakeup because you got a lot of teams that split you know split this this the regular season record with these teams. Um, there's a lot of cannibalism all through the conference. I think the odds on favorites always going to be Purdue. The way they're structured, mm-hmm. Zach, he's been dominant all year, twenty one and twelve, uh, blocking two and a half shots a game. Um, they, they are the odds on favorite 15 and three and in, in conference play. But I mean, just in terms of spoiler alert for the conference in particular, um, I'm looking at Maryland, I'm looking at Northwestern, but I really, ultimately I do like Indiana because at the end of the day, you have to have a guy who's uh, league ready, who's going to step up and rise to the occasion. And, um, and that's exactly what I see. Um, that's exactly what I see with uh, Trace Jackson Davis. He's just been stellar all year. He's been the only guy that they've had a response for um, across this entire conference in terms of the um, the big marquee games that are being played. Um, every time I see him at Indiana Stadium, he's like just all over the boards. Um, he's been dominant, 21 a game, 11 rebounds, mm-hmm. 2.8 blocks. I think if you put him head to head with Zach Eady, whether it's the semifinal or the final for the conference tournament, I think they could play spoiler. Yeah, I'm I'm actually all in Indiana this year too. Um, I feel like they match up pretty well with uh, any other teams in in the field right now. Um, I feel like they could play spoiler. They have a uh, NBA head coach Mike Woodson. Who I definitely feel yep. like it's really really uh, 
made them into a powerhouse. Like you said before, they have Trace Jackson Davis, who's been very good. Um, they have a pretty good passer at Jalen Hood. Uh, Shafino, he can, he can pass the ball a little bit. He's got some uh, he's got some good lane on the court, uh, good lane vision. So um, I definitely I think, feel with those two guys, they could be uh, they could be a force to be reckoned with. Comments and before, before we pass over to Brandon, I just want to uh, shout out to Illinois too because I looked down their win their win loss column and they had some really surprising wins all through the regular season. So I think that they could really pull the firepower if need be when it comes to this conference play. Yeah. So for like the Big Ten, I think the the three of my bigger teams, I would say number one Purdue. Big fan of Zach Eden. That team is amazing. I love watching him play. Uh, big men are key importance in college basketball, especially when it comes down to defense and offense. If you can dominate the box, you can really take teams out. But I think the only struggle Purdue is going to have going into the tournament is I think it's well known that when it comes to March Madness that it's all about the guard play. So I really think that Purdue's guards are going to need to step it up because they're not going to go against guards in their conference. They're going to go against like probably the top guards in the country. And that can be really shaking, like shake them up. Zach is not going to be able to do that on his own. I think Maryland is another big one for me. They did pretty well in the conference. I think the conference standing is 11 and seven. Uh, I don't know what their overall is, but they're a great team. Okay. And uh, they're a great team. They know, like, I, I just, they just impressed me very much. Uh, and other than that, like, I, the one underdog team I'm going for, which uh, I feel like they've made it so many times, and I, I think they're going to make it again, is Michigan. I think Michigan, I think they started out rough. I think they're trying to find their, their, found their footing now. Um, they're tied up with Michigan, um, with Maryland in the conference. So I think they can put up a fight depending on who they go up against. Uh, but I think oh, I, I, I actually feel like uh, Michigan is on the outside looking in right now. Um, they would probably be one of my first four out. I don't feel like they have enough uh, quad one win- wins right now, and they're out of conference strength to schedule. I, I don't necessarily love, so I actually they would be one of my first four out. But um, depending on who you ask, that personally, um, I think yep. them and them and UNC, I feel like would be two of my teams that are the first four out. Um, yeah, Matt- well, UNC. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, Matt, before we proceed, um, Brandon, do you want to check your audio a little bit? It's kind of muddy. It might, uh, be, might be the AirPod. It could just be me, too, but I, that's what I, I'm just hearing. It sounds a little fuzzy. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, but you're good. You're good. But as you were fixing that, um, the um, – Hello? You're good. You're good. We'll take a uh, – We'll uh, fix that after this segment, but um, okay. just finishing your point, Brandon, um, you were saying, you were saying? Oh, yeah. So like you were saying about UNC, I think because UNC was something that was unexpected from what we saw last year and how strong they were, uh, especially with their senior, uh, their senior players coming back. And, and you would think that team would do well, but I, I definitely agree with that. I think they're looking out, like looking from the in out, and they're gonna definitely get knocked out really early. Speaking of um, speaking of the Big Ten, um, do we think Fred Hoiberg is coming back as the coach next year? Because I feel like they're gonna look at the Nebraska's gonna look for a new coach next year. Um, Fred Hoiberg has not done the job in Nebraska. They've he's honestly his, his overall record there is pretty is pretty lackluster. 
Um, and I feel like they could be a, they could be looking for a new coach next year. There's, and they can't win again, on the and they can't win when they're not on their home court either. They're really bad at having a tough time there. Like, do we feel like uh, one of the guys maybe from the NBA, uh, previously assistant? Like, I, I mean, Quinn Snyder took the job. It could, for, it, for, it could uh, happen. I definitely think uh, another thing we could look at is if it depends on who in the, after the tournament if any of these coaches because I definitely think there's going to be a couple of coach stirred up uh, that are going to happen so it really it depends on who they can get at that point and the strength of their program I think the um, Nebraska Nebraska's not really it's not a hot marquee landing spot market, in, yeah. in basketball so it's kind of hard to entice a uh, former NBA guy I think that this is one of those grassroots from the ground up um, organizations, so I think they're going to have to get a local guy or someone who's made their you know inroads through the lower D one and D two programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean right now, right now Fred Hoiberg in his four years is thirty nine and eighty one at, at Nebraska, and that's just not going to cut it. I mean, that's not saying they're they were ever a basketball school, but that's that's pretty rough, right. especially that's when right. you see the job what what the guy at uh, Penn State has been doing right now to turn around, turn, yeah. turn around. All right, we're gonna. Oh, sorry, but you finish your point. No, I was just gonna say that the difference between uh, the the difference of program, Penn State, very big, well known. I think that like it's everything against Nebraska. It's exactly like what Alex is saying. Smaller program, not really where anyone really wants to go to school. Big players are not even looking at Nebraska, so it's kind of like a downhill fight for that for that head coach. So. Yeah, but the um, the last time the last time Penn State made a tournament, the last time Penn State made a Final Four was nineteen fifty four. Um, they had their last their last. NCAA tournament appearance was 2011, so it's not like they've had a ton of success either. At Penn yeah. State. yeah, and it's not the 70s Nebraska anymore. <laughs> they got the huge NFL players from there, but times are changing, and uh, you know, it's all about with NIL deals. But it's 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 free agency at this point. So how much can you really pay these players? And uh, we're gonna quickly take a very quick break to uh, fix Al- uh, Brandon's audio, and we'll be back in literally a second. All right, we fixed Brandon's audio, the uh, the power of technology, right? Great to see you, crystal clear. So as you were talking about North Carolina, might as well switch to the ACC really quick. So the Duke, you know, they're not they're not a team to hate anymore, despite being undefeated um, in the post-coach, despite being undefeated at home in the Coach K era after UNC got their last one against them. They've been rocking and rolling. We mentioned uh, the Tar Heels. Looks like they'll be able to sneak in the tournament, but um, it'd be nice to secure it with a great uh, conference, with a deep run in their conference championship. But other teams to notice, Miami's been doing really well this season. At one point, I believe they were a top five team at one point Mm -hmm. being ranked. Um, We have... uh, Virginia playing well this year. Clemson trying to make a push. And some other teams that look like a complete joke. Louisville has lost their stride since their big scandal. 4-24. They're they're terrible. Really bad. Notre Dame is uh, has had a tough year. Uh, Georgia Tech, even though they haven't really been a good uh, college basketball school. But um, mainly North Carolina teams are staying in it. But uh, obviously the big one is Pittsburgh this year. And uh, I believe they can be a team that can make like a deep sweet 16 run. But um, going off more of what UNC has been doing, how do we feel about UNC and Duke first? They were both final four teams. Uh, UNC yeah. made it to the big day, uh, made it to the championship and uh, ultimately won the thing. And 
do we see them repeating as champions or at least make it a deep run with uh, their new, their head coach who's been uh, impressing. And I, I should know this. He's blanking my mind, but uh, Hubert Davis, Hubert Davis, but Hubert Davis is the coach for UNC. Uh, the coach, the coach for uh, Duke is um, coach for Duke. John Shire. John Shire. Yeah. Yes. So what do we think about these two teams that were final four teams last year? Um, I mean, UNC, like I said, has really been, been, been a disappointment this year. Um, they have not, they brought the same fire, especially when they had a lot of returning seniors. So they've they've really been a been really a uh, disappointment a little bit last year. Um, maybe they're going to get going if they beat Duke. They get another quad win on their resume at UNC. That could be the game that that gets them into the NCAA tournament. But right now, if they don't beat Duke, I would say they're one of the first four teams out. Like they just they only have one quad one win right now. Um, they're they they're um, I don't exactly love their. They're, um, I mean, the only thing they have going for them right now is that they have the one, the 18th best out of conference schedule and the and a 17th strength schedule overall. Um, but if you combine that with the fact they only have one quad win, one win, it's really it's it's going to be hard to get to to get them in the field unless they win a game or two in the conference tournament. If they win a couple of games in the conference tournament, or if they beat Duke this coming week, then that could flip the narrative. But right now, I would say they're one of the first four teams out. Really? I wanna, yeah. I want to hand it. Sorry, I want to hand it over to Goo first on this one. Oh, okay, yeah. So I agree with that 100 percent with the UNC take. I don't know what happened to them, especially with Bacon. I think it's that Bacon. Bacot, Andre Bacot. Bacot, yeah, Andre Bacot. He has had one turnaround season. I don't know what happened. He went from being absolutely phenomenal last year to this year. Not looking very comfortable on the court. Uh, UNC has or is going to struggle. I think they. I don't know what they have to do to make it into to even make it for like far into the tournament. Uh, Duke, I feel like is still pretty good. I think they're in their rebuilding stages. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they the program is slowly changing, mm-hmm. new head coach stuff like that. So I think uh, I think they'll do well. I don't think they'll go far. In a sense, but I think and they'll they'll be back at their stride. I think in the next like two three years. I think. My it's question, just, go ahead. My question to you is for like UNC is like, do you think that their lack of quad one wins outweighs the fact that they have so, such a strong in conference and and out of conference schedule for their for the season? Like, do you think that would out, outweigh the lack of signature wins they may have, or or the fact they only have one? Quad one victory uh, with that. It's probably it's one. The selection it committee would look at. Yeah, so I definitely think it's because they only had one quad win, uh, uh, quad one win, and the fact that you know we can look at you know their conference right now, and th- right now the ACC is I wouldn't say is the strongest conference out of all. Uh, right now, like I said, a lot of those teams in there are in the rebuilding stages. You know, Louisville being another team that was so good like five five six years ago and now it's completely the program has completely went down and is there i think they're dead last in their conference so i think there's not enough i don't think there's a not there's not a big enough challenge in that conference that will uh push them to to show that they're gonna go far i think like a team like an alabama or uh, even a a, like a, a virginia at that point in that same division, I think Virginia would just would wipe them. 
one of the things I don't think people are looking at enough, like in terms of like UNC's like schedule, like they're, they're only, they only have one quad one victory versus, um, versus UVA. That was the team they beat. That was a quad quad one victory. That being said, like they did beat the college of Charleston who right now is 28 and three. And one of their only three losses was versus, versus UNC. So I feel like that is something that should be highly considered. If you're well, it may not be a quad one victory because the conference College of Charleston plays in. That being said, College of Charleston's like twenty three. Like you don't think that constitutes a quad one victory, even though it may not be considered a quad one technically in the RPI. Like, will the selection committee look at that and say, "Boy, one of the wins is versus the College of Charleston team that is twenty eight three." I definitely think that'll be a variable. I don't think that it will necessarily sway their full decision, but I definitely think they'll look into the fact that it is. A quad one victory, and you know, even though that is not a strong quad one victory, that it's still, like you said, it's still considered one. So you have to give credit where credit's due at that point. Yeah, I mean, technically, right now, like I think, because because I think I I technically think college Charleston right now is in the quadrant two because of this the conference they play in, but it technically should almost yeah. be considered a quad one because of because of their record and what they've been able to do this season. How do we like Pittsburgh and Miami? I really think Pittsburgh can make a deep run. They know how to score, really good on defense. I think they've been really impressing me, especially over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they're they're impressive as like a, as a second tier team. I think that the overall like not to bury the not to bury the lead here, but I think that the over overwhelming you know medical examination of this conference this year is that just the best, the top tier dogs are just not up to their stuff this year. That's why you see kind of this this um, this vacuum of power at the top with Pittsburgh, Miami, and Virginia kind of taking over the reins. I've watched Virginia six games this year. They can't throw a shot into the ocean. Miami, you know, they got they have they have um, you know serious athletes that you know they're they're long and and, and they can stretch the floor, but they're they're nothing really to you know run home about. Like I thought they were impressive early in the year. I think once you got um, later into the season, they blew a lot of games that should have been layups, no pun intended. And I think that Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is impressive in conference, but just overall on the broad on the on the bigger stage, I just don't know how they're going to stack up. You know, with, with a lot of these other uh, major programs, I think that what's going on is that you're seeing almost. It's too early to call it a crisis, but it's a crisis in transition of power where you have a new coach, John Shire, a second year Hubert Davis, and I'll even hearken this over to um, the coach who's uh, escaping my memory at Villanova, taking over for Jay Wright. Uh, year two, Kyle Neptune. Kyle Neptune. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, again, like on paper, it should be a no brainer that they should just be continuing the legacy of the success that they had with those former guys in their recruit the recruitment class. And they're not necessarily producing because you got to remember the first two years should be the immediate success. And then you should see, should see a drop off. So it's got to be a little alarming to see Duke and North Carolina take a step back, particularly with North Carolina being behind NC State for of all teams, my God. <laughs> yeah, I actually think NC State has actually been pretty surprising this year. Like, I actually think that's a team people should be should be really concerned with. I think NC State can score yeah. basketball this year. Um, I definitely feel like with that team, they have they they actually are a team that could surprise a lot of people. Um, I actually I like uh, Tarquavian Smith. That's how you pronounce it, Tarquavian. Uh, <laughs> Your guess is good as mine, but I think that that's that's really he's the a un- pretty good guard. Actually, I like I like watching him play. Yeah, Tarquavian, um, and I like I feel like they have a very good. Well, one-two combo between Jarkel Joyner and uh, Tarquavian Smith. I feel like that one-two combo is going to be very interesting to watch moving forward. And I feel like the that's co- a team that could make a, a sweet 16 run, actually. The, co- the coaching dilemma with the Blue Bloods, I think, is the most disconcerting story that is kind of the underwriting behind what's going on with the ACC this year. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean we're yeah. we're gonna talk about that a little bit too in the the Big East because there's there's a couple of coaches there that I feel like are yeah not hitting the mark either in terms of the big names. Big East has had that. All right, so I want to talk about the SEC really quick, which yes. houses the Alabama the Alabama the University of Alabama Crimson Tide, who have been making noise on and off the court. Now, of course, there's other teams you can. Uh, be impressed about Texas A&M's played well. Uh, Kentucky has been holding it down. Tennessee's looking good. Um, you know, I'm also like impressed that. with too. Uh, I want to say Missouri. Missouri's been pretty good there in the SEC, right? They, they've been yes, they good. are. Yeah, they've, they've had a pretty the good last year. Two. Yeah, Missouri's and, been uh, killing it on the home on the home stretch. But um, obviously, the big thing with Alabama with this run. With their coach Nate Oates, um, they really—if there was a team that would be a favorite, it is probably them. But we know what's going on. They've had one of their players, Darius Miles, who was who was allegedly a part of this uh, this homicide, when he is detained at this moment, and their big player Brandon Lee, who allegedly brought the gun. Now Darius wasn't uh, the one shooting it. I guess it was. Brandon yeah, Brandon Miller. Sorry, uh, yeah. uh, did I say yeah. Brandon Lee? Whoops. Uh, Brandon Miller um, allegedly was a part of this plot as well. Now I can't remember the third per- the third person then who allegedly pulled the trigger, but obviously a mutual friend with Darius. But despite all of this, Brandon Lee has been playing well all season long, and people have compared him to a young Kevin Durant, and. The big thing here is, are they going to let him play? It seems like the uh, um, that both Alabama law is protecting him from not getting charged, and the school itself, the athletic director and president, are letting him play. That seems to be upsetting everybody but the uh, fans of the the uh, Crimson Tide, and I guess that's going to be a factor in this coming through. So, assuming that they're going to keep it the way it is. Do we see Bama, uh, one, taking the SEC and becoming a number one team in this uh, tournament and making an impact here and maybe making a really deep run? I think uh, yeah, I, th- I think this is all contingent upon, like you said, uh, Matt, with you know the, the status of, uh, of, of of Brandon Miller and like what's going on because obviously like nineteen and eight he's the he's the lead he's the lead guy on this on 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 the serpent and I think and he's that, not phased he's not phased at all I think that's one thing to take account. What <laughs> bro? He's a killer. I think he said didn't he said he said it last night the last game I'm pretty sure. Brandon Miller. Did, did you guys see the pat down they did of him? Oh my god, that was so on, bad on that Saturday. Was, yeah, now people oh said god. that that was that happening. Was so all t- long. I'm sorry, that was so tasteless. Like I, I <laughs> that's just it was just an embarrassment. That was an embarrassment. To, the, the school should be fine or something because that was an embarrassment. But I think um, you know Alabama, whether they're at full strength or not, I think it's ir- uh, irregardless to say I I, I actually think that the best team in the SEC coming out of this tournament is going to be Tennessee. I think that yeah. they're good enough to win the tournament um, in the conference. And in addition to that, I think they can make a deep run in in the overall you know round of 64. I think that having four scores over a 12 a game, being 10 and 6 in SEC play and hanging tough in those six losses, um, they had quality wins over, you know, over Kansas, Texas, Auburn, and Bama, and South Carolina um, as well. I think that you look up and down the list, they have just – 
uh, exceptional quality wins, and they have great coaching at the top. And um, I think that they can hang with anybody, particularly with, you know, Kentucky not being quite themselves this year and the Aggies and everybody kind of being on, on, the, top, on the outside of 25 looking in. I think that competitively speaking, I think that they can handle Alabama even at full strength. Do you think they have something to prove? Because last year they uh, they went they got knocked out in the uh, in the round of they, thirty-two. They were pretty high seed last year. They got knocked out in the round. Of they definitely do have a lot. To, they do definitely do have a lot to prove. And I think that it's kind of ironic that we kind of see this um, this little war going on between you got Tennessee football and Alabama football this year, and now we have the same thing almost mirrored in basketball. I think that's really funny. Yeah, they've actually <laughs> never made a. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting actually. They actually have never made a um, final four in their in their history. I know, which is so. Uh, hope maybe this is the year. I don't know. They actually they haven't made the elite eight since 2010, which is uh, pretty interesting because they've had a, they've had a couple of pretty good years recently. 2022 they had a good year. Um, the 2018 2019 they were in Sweet 16. Yeah. So hope maybe this could be the year they turn it around. But I feel like they're. Do you feel like they're going to be weighing that pressure on them? With because back yeah, I mean, a big round. Look, Rick, Rick Rick Barnes has been around the league for a long time, and I think that his time is now to, to kind of you know cash in and, and collect. And I think that he has the team and the, the roster to do it. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. He had a great run at Texas too, so he's a uh, highly well well reputable, reputable yeah. and respected coach. Went to a Final Four at Texas, um, went to a couple of Elite Eights, so he's he's one of the coaches I feel like will will lead them to to, to prom, the promised land eventually. You know, one team that's really been impressive and they're only going to get better is John Calipari leading the Wildcats into a good season after a rough start. But allegedly they have the best recruiting class coming into uh, next year. And I think it'd be essential for them to make a deep run too. Do we see anything going on? <laughs> well, they're gonna they're gonna have something major to prove last year coming off that loss to St. Peter's. They're gonna be yeah, definitely they're gonna be coming in like really with a guns a blazing. So that's definitely a team to watch. For sure. And where, how do you feel about Kentucky going into the next year? Going into next year? I don't know if I think they have the number one recruiting class. <laughs> I could be very biased. Uh, no, I definitely think that, you know, they have a strong class going into next year. I think they'll definitely be like a top top five team with uh, the people they're picking up. This year, I think they definitely have something to prove since the St. Peter's loss that ruined my bracket last year. Um, <laughs> there we all. I think the big – <laughs> I think the big Dougie, thing with Kentucky Dougie is they're coming up. I think they're coming off. Uh, I think they're on a four-win streak right now. So I think the they're in a good state. I think they got a positive mindset. I know. I think they know that they can win. Uh, big thing, like I'll mention again, I think it's really going to come up to those Kentucky guards. They need to play consistent, and they need to score. If they score and they play consistent defense, I think they'll have a good chance of making it making it pa- uh, back to like the the Sweet Sixteen. Maybe the LEA. We'll see. Well, I think I think I think this is this is critical, you know, this is a critical time for, for Cal Perry because I hate to, you know, say, you know, a guy who's a Hall of Famer himself like being on the hot seat, but it's just, you know, they, they they've really had uh, you know, a precipitous downfall in the past, you know, eight, nine years, just not being competitive the way they used to be. And and then and I think it's proof in the way that you see Alabama rising up and you see Tennessee, you know, holding their weight. And all these other teams that you know used to be afterthoughts in the SEC, kind of filling that void. I think it's it's a it's a huge um, distraction, you know, for for Calipari. I think that this is kind of a year where you know you at least 
make up for the the sins of last year, you know, try to get into the second round or, you know, into the sweet 16. And if not, you go into next year with a full head of steam and you really put it all out there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, Kyle Perry only has one national championship at Kentucky. Yeah. He's really honestly, he's only had one national championship and only one other the two final fours. We had one year we had the, the team with Anthony Davis and that team that went thirty eight and one and, and lost. They didn't even win the national championship. So I feel like he has been a little bit of a disappointment in the uh in in March Madness, I feel like actually. Where he hasn't won quite as much as as, as what you would think for a guy who supposedly is thought of as one of the greatest coaches in in uh college history. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. So let's go to the West Coast right now and let's talk about the Pac-12 with a hot Arizona team, for instance. UFC, USC has been making some strides. UCLA, who, spoiler alert, I'm going to pick to be the national champion. They've won eight in a row with some team with some players who I think will make strides in the NBA. This Pac-12 team is looking really, really good as a whole in the conference, at least with their major teams, at least with their um, top teams, I should say. Are you guys excited for the Pac-12 like me? Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Pac-12. Um, I feel like it's a little bit top-heavy with UCLA and Arizona. Mm-hmm. The rest of the conference as a whole has been really, really down. You have Cal right now. It was three, three and twenty-six. Oregon State, um, ten and nineteen after that one miraculous run they made to the Elite Eight. Um, they haven't done anything besides that. Stanford's been pretty inconsistent. Colorado's been down. Like pretty much the entire conference has really been down, with the exception of the top four teams. Like the rest of the conference has been really a huge disappointment. So yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. It, it, and it's and it's hard for me to say that UCLA is really the best team and they're number four in the nation when like a lot of their victories aren't necessarily versus quad one teams. So it's kind of it's kind of. It's kind of hard for me to say definitively that because of who UCLA has played, that they're the, the team to beat. Um, they look pretty good right now. I mean, they're twenty-five and four, so I can't really. I they can't have really been say pro- improving themselves the year. But after they also the year. Have, they also be- have lost this season already to to Baylor and, and Illinois. Like they have a couple of their losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maryland. I mean, they beat Kentucky. That's great. But like, I mean, who have they really, really played outside of merely? Like, I can't name I can't name one quality win from UCLA. I think you took the words out of my mouth. And they, they lost to Arizona too. They lost to Arizona, like, USC, Illinois, and Baylor. And Illinois has fallen from where they were at the beginning of the year. Look, I mean, I, I would say that I'm a huge Mick Cronin fan. I liked him at Cincinnati. I believe in him as a coach for UCLA. I like Hawkins as a, as a senior. Um, I think that despite having the quality wins, I think that their resume still holds, and I think that they're gonna you know thrive even as a number one seed. Um, whether that means, you know, advancing through the final four or not. But again, like you said, they're very top heavy. You know, it's really just, you know, a three, you know, a three or four man uh, uh, conference. And I think that the only team that really surprises me that I have questions about is Arizona State. But but I know what their ceiling is. I know that they're kind of a third round exit. Um, I just think that they can make some disruptions and some noise in this conference uh, tournament. I think that this is really between Arizona and UCLA, and I would give the edge to Arizona on the broad, on the broad scale of the tournament. Yeah, I would give the broad. I would give the. Uh, I would give it to it Arizona too, but um, got, I mean Arizona also almost lost last year to to um, TCU in that in that uh, one eight game. So it's it's really they haven't had a ton of success in the tournament recently, Arizona. Um, but UCLA is one of those teams. I feel like if they get a one seed, uh, yeah. they, they could be on a huge upset alert in the in the eight nine game. 
Like I, I, don't, I don't even know if they're going to get to Sweet 16, personally. They got, they got two seven-footers on defense. They score approximately 83 points a game as a team, which is top 20 in the in the country. And their quality wins are San Diego State, who's ranked, Creighton, Indi- um, Indiana, Tennessee, USC, UCLA, and Washington, which are all really solid wins. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I agree with you on that. I think UCLA, though, I feel like is a team that, that should be looked at. Like I know you, Matt, you have them winning the national championship. Jamie um, Jacquez, this my guy. I, I I'm a little <laughs> bit like I feel like that's a team in my bracket. I would I would pick to be on upset alert before before yeah. even like the Sweet Sixteen. Like I feel like they could lose the the eight nine game if if they if that's a team I would put on upset alert. That's a team that could win the national championship, and I also feel like that's a team that could also lose in the round of thirty two. It sucks I, I that like they are a very hit or miss team. It sucks that they won't actually have a tournament to keep playing again. Repson, they've won the national tur- uh, Pac-12 tournament um, naturally like that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm high on them. I think they play really good defense. I think they are I... a team that really has some good chemistry. I think that's the one thing that really impressed me: the chemistry amongst them. They don't have a lot of players just running to the NBA like that, and they've had reps and. Um, I only hope now with this older squad that they can at least make a run for it. But I can also see with that in the Pac-12 having had too much competition against the higher-ranked schools, which could be a problem, but maybe also with that, you know, just play. The big thing we always like to compare with college basketball and the NBA is that it is more fundamentals with the game itself. There's clearly no iso ball being played like that. So I only hope that that team chemistry can take it deep and um, also get into that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like Arizona, like I'm I'm definitely on board with Alex. Like they had a much stronger out-of-conference schedule. They already beat. Hey, they had a tough loss in that buzzer beater this Saturday. I mean, oh man, that was a great game. I think one of the (laughs) the highlights. I think one of the teams they beat earlier in the season, I'm not going to say who, but like I feel like San Diego State is going to actually one of my final four teams. Like I actually I actually really really like San Diego State this year. Like I that's a, maybe a little bit of a ballsy pick, but like San Diego State I love and they beat them by 17 points. There's always one like, team that makes sense. So like I mean they beat Creighton who's who's in the top of the Big East. They beat them. They already beat Indiana. They beat Tennessee, so it's like Arizona I feel like is definitely one of those teams where <laughs> I would um yeah. I would definitely I, I think they're they're uh they're gonna be really good Arizona. I I think Arizona's gonna be good and I think like you said, I think pressure is the biggest thing against UCLA. I think UCLA is uh they need to be able to handle the pressure and know that they're gonna come into this tournament with a really good seed and that they need to take that first round serious whether whoever they play because I definitely see an uh, like a a chance they lose. Arizona, I think they're more established. I think they're more confident. They've they've been in those those pressured situations as a team. And I think they they know when it comes tournament time that they need to they know what they need to do and I think they'll they'll go they'll make it uh, past the first two rounds or the to, to the top thirty two. Before we move on, I just took a peek at the uh the power index. They have UCLA will hold nine slots ahead of Arizona in the power rankings. So don't think that they're going to print that and put it in their locker room this week. <laughs> <laughs> they probably are. <laughs> like I said, if only they had an actual tournament game to go against each other, but um, we'll see what ultimately happens. So let us talk with two of the biggest fans of the Big East, and so let's talk about the conference there oh, and Brandon God. and Alex. All right, yep. the Big East – 
really try been trying to gain credibility over the past couple of years, and I think they've have even with the uh, some of the omissions they've had. So we have Marquette being on top are on top right now. They have Xavier there, even though they've had some ugly losses, but um, still make some surprise. Providence is still staying consistent. What a great, great, well-coached program. UConn, at one point at the beginning of this season, they were looking really, really good. Some people, Number two team in the country. 14-0. And then, and then uh, you know, college basketball happened. Has some really tough <laughs> yeah. and ugly losses. Uh, Villanova hasn't been the same. Yeah, but I some mean, people think that they can, if they have a good Big East tournament, maybe they can uh, sneak their way in there. The other thing too, Georgetown is just it seems like the Patrick Ewing experiment <laughs> is not working, and it's I likely that he's getting uh, fired after this season. But uh, what were you about to say, Brandon? Do you, do I think I think he's finally. I think he's making his way in the right direction. I think he needs more time. I think. Uh, it's hard. You got to understand he's coming to the program where Georgetown wasn't anything great to come from. And I think he's taken the talent he has and he's done the best he can with it. I think if he was able to get better top recruits, I think Georgetown would be a better team in the Big East. Oh, yeah. And you got to also look at how strong the Big East is and the teams that you're going against on a consistent basis that, you know, it's 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 hard. I think the biggest story of the Big East, in my opinion, has to be like how disappointing some of these teams and coaches have been. Like Kyle Neptune was supposed to be a great hire at Villanova. He's been in an incredibly bad disappointment. Um, Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall was supposed to resurrect them when he took over from St. Peter's. They've been incredibly disappointed. And don't even get me started in St. John's. Mike Anderson. <laughs> Mike Anderson has been not a, the same. Oh my God. They they have one of the best centers right now in the Big East, and Joel Soriano. They have Posh Alexander. Like that's that's my team from New York, one of the big the biggest teams in New York, uh, St. John's, and they've just have been like just very disappointing. They made the tournament under Mike Anderson. He should be gone after this year. And also, like it looks even worse with uh, Kyle Neptune that they haven't done well at Villanova. That being that the predecessor Keith Ergo at Fordham is currently like I want to say twenty three and six at, at Fordham right now. They're one of the top three teams in the Atlantic Ten. They've been extremely good. So it makes Kyle Neptune look even that much more less impressive that someone just took over after you and is actually even better than where you were year, the year before. So it's, it, I, want to turn a, I want to turn a negative positive. I want to give some love to Shaka Smart at Marquette, though, because he's really, really done one. Oh, yeah, Shaka Smart's done awesome at Marquette. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, he's, been a, he's got great guards, man. He's a, he's a great coach for guards. He knows what he's doing. Very fast-paced team, man. They Also, too, like Sean Miller, Sean Miller at Xavier has been really good. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Yeah, Sean Miller's My only thing with Xavier is, like I said, sometimes they have had some really – they've had some really bad losses in there. I mean, like losing to um, – who is it? Was it their loss to Butler was really surprising a couple of weeks ago? Um, sometimes they've had trouble holding. They lost to DePaul. They lost to DePaul. Yeah, lost uh, to DePaul. I, I mean, that was lost a very destructive yeah. loss right there. I don't know how you lose to DePaul, but yeah. <laughs> do we think that, that in really this tournament that has historically have had some really ugly upsets, could they be on upset alert despite a mixture of really good success along the way? So honestly, I, I, yeah, they are. But I honestly think like you can't look too far into that DePaul loss either because they they did yeah. play them again and they they absolutely didn't like 
dominated them. I think it was just a bad night of basketball for them. I just think it comes down to consistency level with that team. They need to be consistent every night, and it seems to be not working all the time for them. And I when they come like up, and then for some reason, like they go up against Butler and they lose, but then they go up against like St. John's and they blow them out of the water like by 20 points. So it, it's so consistency. Uh, the team yeah. that I feel like should be on upset alert definitely is Providence. Um, they they barely even beat Ryder, and, and he was an outcome. <laughs> Big team. They almost they Big they team. lost to St. Louis. They've lost to TCU. Like they should be on upset alert in my opinion. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. I mean, Providence has also had some really good wins too. Like they've beaten Creighton. Like they they beat Creighton. They beat UConn. They beat Marquette. Like they have some they have some pretty good wins. So they're they'll make the tournament. Providence. I just feel like. Oh like, yeah. They should be on upset alert. Who do you think well, is going to ultimately? I think ultimately the, the point of order here is that I just think it's a toss-up uh, across the top of this conference. I think there's very you – know, we're splitting hairs when we're trying to grade and, and you know, make make understanding of the wins and losses. with these, <laughs> Because there's a lot of cannibalism in the Big East. Um, you know, a lot of these teams, they get a chunk out of one another. But, on you know, um, against the field, they, you know, they, they, they perform well um, out of conference as well. I think that – Right now, if I if I had to put my money on a team to win Big East conference uh, tournament, I would actually put it on Xavier. Oh, I, I put it on UConn. That's what I put it on. Well, okay. Well, I would put it on Xavier in the championship. If I have to be honest, if I have to be objective, but ultimately, I think that the most road ahead would probably be UConn in the in in the tournament of sixty four. I think that Marquette is really really phenomenal team. Their number, I think they're like number five in the country in assists per game, which means they spread the ball. They're self, they're selfless. Um, they have four scores over twelve a game, um, and they they have really quality wins. So I think that with what Shaka Smart's doing, I can't rule them out either. I think that there's just so much parity at the top of this uh, conference where um, it's going to really make uh, an amazing time for two weeks from now. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on uh, with Shaka Smart though in terms of coach. I think he's he he should be at the long list of coach of the year. Yeah, and I and I want to give love to um that that big from Providence, uh, Hopkins or um, what's his name? Uh, the Providence big? Yeah, the, the big man. Uh, yeah, Hopkins. Bryce yeah. Hopkins. No, no, that's the Bryce? point guard. Uh, O'Hare. Talking about? Oh no, Hopkins. He said Bryce Hopkins, right? Bryce Hopkins. No, Bryce, Bryce Hopkins is the guard. Well, either way. <laughs> I'm, I'm, forgetting, I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but he's had a great year. I want to give him a shout out to Mr. MIA. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Quickly transferring over to the Big 12, we have Kansas, the reigning champions, just picking up where they left off, feeling good. Texas has been making some strides. Baylor's been uh, really good in Kansas State. Um, Oklahoma was looking really good, and they have collapsed at the. Uh, towards the end of the season. Um, when it comes to the Big 12, is it just going to be a battle between Kansas, Baylor, and Texas? Maybe Kansas State can uh, make some strides too, or do we see this uh, going in a different direction? I think, uh, I think this division, I think like uh, he was saying before, top, I think this is another division that's top. I think really the big three, Kansas, Baylor, and, and, and Texas – and then you all you have Iowa there that I have as like a kind of a sneak like a kind of a sneak pick Iowa State, um, but yeah I definitely think Baylor or Kansas are the ones that you really look at in that division. 
Uh, I think Baylor's like twenty-two and eight. Uh, yeah, they're Texas. they're at home. They're insane. I think they're like 14, 14 to one or something like that. They uh, they're they're a great team, and I think they have the the willpower to, to to make it into the tournament. And they've established in the past that they've they've done it with ease. Yeah, don't forget about TCU as well. TCU's had a pretty good year under. Oh yeah, uh, TCU. Yeah, under Jamie under Jamie Dixon. Jamie Dixon, former coach at Pitt, yep. has done a great job at uh, TCU. Yep, definitely. I think the only thing with TCU is they had a little bit of a struggle inside conference play, but other than that, yeah, they're, they're record TCU, in conference TCU, play. I mean, they are in eight conference play, so yeah, that yeah. But TCU always somehow makes makes a little bit of a show in the tournament in the, in the sixty four. Yeah, TCU basketball last year. I want to say they lost to, to Zona in that in the eight not in the one eight game last year. They had, they, yeah. the, I, I want to say they almost forced it overtime. They had a uh, they had a very good run last year. I think there's another uh, there's, a, there's another uh, conference where you could see like a TCU or a K State upset the top dog in the Jayhawks in the conference tournament. But I think it really comes down to really just Kansas, Texas, and Baylor actually having the long haul wherewithal to um, yeah. make it to the round of eight or sixteen or something. Um, I think that this is a really loaded uh, really loaded conference. I've seen a lot of great games this year where it came down to OT and 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 to the final seconds of the fourth quarter. I think that a lot of these teams are um, really well coached. Um, I know the the coach for Baylor, um, uh, Scott Drew. He, you know, Scott he's, got, yeah. he's got championship pedigree at this point. Yeah, he well, he beat uh, Gonzaga. I think one of two years ago. They they won the COVID bubble year, right? Yeah, yeah they they beat the Jalen Suggs team, but they also beat him earlier this year in a special exhibition. And I think that Bill Self as well. I think he's looking to repeat and kind of cement his legacy. So he's going to have that chip on his shoulder too. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Kansas State actually too. I, I feel like that's another Coach of the Year candidate that they have um, for Kansas State. Uh, they're, they're, Kansas State, their first year guy, Kansas State. Uh, I want to say it was. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of their coach, uh, Jerry. I want to say it's like Jerry someone or. Well, yeah, they're so uh, they watched. I watched that game. Um, uh, going back, to, going back to. Um, when they upset, I think it was like week five or Tang, week six. Trump Tang. He should be. He should be in the coach of the year. When they upset Kansas, when they upset Kansas, and if you actually look and you break down the last two minutes of tape on that game, just the tenacity of the defense on uh, K State, it looks like they're just super well coached, super disciplined. They see the play the two three seconds before it happens. Um, I think they could really make some noise at conference tournament. Yeah, and two, they have um, they have Baylor's associate head coach uh, and. Um, Jerome Tang, he was associate head coach at Baylor. So, Tang, yeah. yeah, he knows all the um, he knows all their systems for Baylor. So that yeah, be, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. That's that's definitely a good 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 uh good thing to have for Kansas State. And they also do have. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm looking. I'm looking at the quality wins that, uh, obviously, like Baylor, ha- like Baylor beat TCU, Texas, and can- and Kansas um, at twice, and then they beat wow. uh, Gonzaga and, and UCLA, which is just like unheard of. Yeah. And Baylor's, Baylor's, even the Virginia yeah. loss with TCU, it's like you can live with that because at the end of the day, you have senior guard leadership with Adam Flagler, and um, you know, with the conference play that they've had, when when it comes down to these tight games, you have to have good free throw shooting. You have to have good ball handling. I think that that's going to be the difference in what takes Baylor over the top, you know, well beyond the conference tournament. 
And before we hit the uh, rest of the mid-majors as a whole, should we talk about the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, with Houston, who could be a major favorite in this, winning nine in a row um, with some projected NBA stars on that team. But also Memphis has been playing well. Tulane will um, always make a stride. <clears throat> University yeah, of Cincinnati no, I- could uh, – Make a, a run it's for a, it. It's a good conference. Um, the two teams that are, I feel like, are a lock to make it this year are are Houston and Memphis. But the rest of the conference, yeah. which Wichita State has been a a disappointment this year. They haven't been as good yeah. as they usually are. Um, but yeah, that's a tough conference to predict because usually that's like a one. Or, it's usually like a two team league. Or, um, I feel like that conference as a whole has been a little bit weaker than like whereas opposed to other mid major conferences such as the Mountain West have like picked up the slack. Where that's an, that will be like a three or four team league as opposed to the American AAC, which is only going to get two teams this year. It's been a little bit weak, but um, I mean, if if you're going to look at the mid major conferences that have really been like very very good, I would say you have to look at the WCC and the um, and the uh, and the um, WCC and the and the the Mountain West have been two conferences. The Mountain West, yep. Yep. Mountain West, yeah. The Mountain West has three teams right now that are going to make it. Probably you have San Diego State, who's who's honestly a sleeper team for the Final Four. I actually really like San Diego State. Um, Boise State's twenty-two and seven. Uh, Nevada's twenty-two and eight, and Utah State's literally right there, right there at at twenty-two and seven. So um, you have three or four teams potentially make it, and New Mexico, even though. Mexico's not going to make it because they have a seven and nine conference record, but they're twenty and nine in the year. With if they didn't have a couple, of, if they didn't have a couple of losses, um, that killed their season late. They probably would have been playing for an NCAA tournament right now with Richard Pitino, um, Rick Pitino's son as coach. So the Mountain West has been extremely strong, and I definitely feel like that's a conference that we're going to look at. But yeah, I mean, outside of really Houston and, and Memphis, I don't really feel like the the AAC has been as as yeah, great they, as, as has been in the past. Yeah, definitely. I think Houston is definitely a top a top four team. Yeah, Houston's the number, number one, one in the country. They're, right number, one in, they're number one in the country for defense. Houston's incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. That, it's always been like that though. Like Houston they, is just a team that's ran the AAC for. Yeah, and they now. have a they have a Kelvin Sampson, right? He's he's a yeah. he, he's a great coach. Yeah, um, I, I I love Houston too. That's that's a team that. Can, that's a no-brainer team right there. That's a team I, 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 I don't think I'm going to pick them in the final four because I feel like it's, it's very hard to pick the number one team all year, season yeah. to make the final four because of the parity. But I mean, if I was just going based off like knowledge and whatever, I would probably say that that Houston is a team you should pick pick the final four. Well, what, what 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 sells me is the defense. It's just the, that number yeah. one defense right there, and those and those guards and all that. Defense. If you have great defense, the offense is easy to them. So I think that's like their number one strength. If someone can shut them down, and you know, and, and break through their defense, I think they have a good chance of beating them. But then again, it's hard. Like you said, it's very hard when it comes down to the the final four right there. Well, that that's that's the difference. You know, it's like when when the game slows down and you get into like the second round and whatnot, uh, round of thirty two and sixteen. It's like you have to find ways to manufacture shots and i think that this team can do it they have they do have shooters but what they resort to and rely on is the fact that they have four guys that can get you um that can get you stops they're long they're tenacious they all have over a steal and a half on the season for the year 
Um, I think that that's a really huge upside. And this is a heavy rebounding team too, which people don't realize. And I think that rebounding is a, is a really, really important undervalued um, skill set in the tournament too. Branching off of the other mid majors, as um, Aiden mentioned, you know, West coast conference and then the uh, mountain West itself. And the other teams I haven't mentioned, Gonzaga has been playing really well and they're always a force to be reckoned with, even though they've been underachieving and had some tough losses in the, uh, in the tournament ultimately. Um, but is there any other ones that have uh, really impressed you? And also Mountain West, San Diego State, as you mentioned, is your uh, a sneaky favorite here. But yeah, I've seen, I, I have uh, St. Mary's looks very good too. And is there you know just um, thinking off the top of my head, you, um, is well, there any other conferences that have uh, yeah, say you know whether it's the uh, American East? Wink, there's there, there's a couple. <laughs> There's a couple of teams. Uh, there's a couple of teams that I can look at and say, like, boy, they've been really impressive. But like, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, College of Charleston right now is 28 and three. Like, they, I mean, they have been absolutely incredible this year, coming out of the Colonial. Um, I know Oral Roberts hasn't lost a game in conference. They're undefeated in the conference. But like, that leads to my next point. Like, what do these teams honestly have to do to like make the tournament and like these 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 conferences? Like, you're 28 and three. Like, I I understand like. Certain, you still have to beat who you play. Like you, you're in the Division One for a reason. Like Division One is a certain level. You're you're beating D1 teams every every day. Like a lot of times, I don't really feel like there's as big of a discrepancy as people want to think between like the mid majors and the Power Five. Because like every year, you see a team like Evansville beat a Duke. You see it every year. Like these. Well, let me let me push back because the the, the the structure, the way the Power Five is set up, is that it is a hierarchy where you can opt in or opt out based on you know, competitiveness year after year, you're recruiting, you're scouting. So I think that if, you know, the eligibility becomes, you know, uh, you know, a race to get into those power fives. And if you're not, and you're, you know, you know, you're in the recesses where you have to win your mid-major and get your ticket punched to the tournament, I think that it resorts and boils down more to, um, you know, uh, uh, any given team beating a uh, beating a team on any given day. I think that's what you see in the NFL and you see in college football. But I think it, more particularly you see it in the tournament of 64 because, um, like you said, uh, and there's not really much difference between the mid-majors. However, consistency is king. And if you don't have consistency through the regular season, that's the difference between the wheat and the chaff. Like, I, I mean, for me, it's just hard for me because I feel like you really have to go like like you have to go. You pretty much have to win, go 30 and 0 to make the, the NCAA tournament with some of these with some of these schools. And like, I, I don't necessarily know that's necessarily necessarily right. Like uh, and like, you know, like even so, like I'll give you another conference like the Conference USA, like Florida yeah. Atlantic's 26 and three. You have North Texas, who's 23 yeah. and six UAB, who's 22 and eight. Like, you know, it, it's harder for a Do lot of remember. But, you know, like we, we remember those teams like year after year, you know, making deep runs. I, um, who was the team from the, the what was it, the Missouri Valley that made a giant run to? Uh, Loyola, Chicago, Loyola, Chicago. Loyola, Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they, they wouldn't be, but, but here's the thing. They wouldn't be who they were if they weren't playing in the Missouri Valley Conference because they, they, they outperformed their conference. They made, they made a bunch of noise on the stage. And they got hot at the right time, and sometimes that's all that is needed for these programs. Like my, I had an idea. Like I was thinking, like you almost like I don't know. I, 
it's going to get turned down by a lot of people. But like I had an idea where you would make like two separate tournaments, like one specifically for the top 50 mid-major teams and then another like you'd split it into 100 teams, one specific one specifically where the, where the top 50 mid-majors would play and then a number where you got the Power 5 conferences uh where if it's over a certain enrollment where they would play in one tournament and then the winner of each each of those tournaments would play each other for to to see the de facto national champion. That's what I had a proposal of an idea. Um, I don't necessarily think that would gain any traction, but that was just something so many extra games. equitable. So many extra games, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah extra games. And then you, you're definitely going to have the people saying the mid-major is going to be an easier way into the championship. So you, you might see programs try to, try to make their way into the mid-majors and transfer conferences to right. get an easy way into the into the championship. That's, that's gotta, the problem. And you got you got to remember, too, I, I look at – the mid-majors almost is like a casting stage for a lot of up-and-coming talent and the coaching staffs of these of these teams because we were talking about like Fred Hoiberg and being a you know replacement for him over in Nebraska. Well, guess what? A lot of the guys that are making inroads in the mid-majors are probably going to get that job, you know? Well, that's what Shaheen Hada, he did the St. Peter's. Um, Chris Beard, I'm pretty right. sure, was one of those before he got exiled from Texas for domestic violence. He was at Arkansas Little Rock. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean yeah. – and like, there's also one other thing I want to cover. I don't know if you guys are like familiar with this, but like, what do you guys feel about the NCA like classification where if you transition into Division One, you have to serve like a three year period? Because there's there's one conference right now. It's one of the the, the worst conference in, in college basketball right now. The Northeast Conference, two of the top three My teams aren't even, that aren't even aren't <laughs> even aren't even eligible to play in, in March Madness because of because they're they're um. They're classifying from a Division Two to a Division One, like Merrimack, Stonehill. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Merrimack's that conference, right? They're the two, the two of the top three teams in the Northeast Conference, and they're not Central's even gonna in there to, too. They're not even going to be able to play it's in the Wagner. They're not even going to be able to play in the fucking March Madness because they because they transitioned from the Division One. I think that's ridiculous. Shout out to uh, being in the tournament then. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to CCSU. Me and Brandon got a lot of friends over there. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you know hated, right there, yeah. it is cruel, but with so much money yeah. into this into this foray, and especially with the rise of NIL deals, I think it really is just a business decision. But you're 100% right. There's no reason why they should be omitted, especially if they can go toe-to-toe with these bigger schools, and especially a game like basketball, specifically men's college basketball. And again, not to bring up a point again where it's not ISO basketball, where it's really true team play. There's, I mean, there are players who'll be better than others, but as a team, you should be able to at least go to toe to toe with them if you're a Division One. Like I'm giving you like another school, like University of New Haven could be in the Northeast Conference right now, and they would probably, honestly, they would probably be. I'm not even kidding about this. They probably be one of the top teams. The How top. about Quinnipiac? Which which conference is Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac in the MAC right now. They're 19 and 10. They're having a pretty good year. Can yeah. they make you think they yeah, will? I I I mean, if they beat Iona, which I think is possible, because they beat them by 30 points early in their year, and if they win the, the if they they win the four or five game, yeah, they they could make the tournament this Any, year. Anything is to, possible. They yeah. have to make it this year, or else I think they're going to get a new coach. Because they're going to move on from Baker Dunley. Because I remember Harford uh, University of Harford made it. I think two. It was a two yeah. Years they made they made it two years, years ago, and then they yeah. And now they they're not even D one anymore. And then they, they decided they to go Division three because yeah, they went Division yeah. three. 
not, and, not, and, not you know, saying that, anything. <laughs> not saying anything against Hartford Max. I know it's your all. No, mind. it's it's fine. It's your and your points are valid. It was not, it was not a program decision. It was actually it, it was not a basketball. It was like a program decision. It was actually the school's decision. Yeah, yeah. The school made a decision. Yeah, the school made that decision. And so. guess what? That president announced this week that he's retiring. Like, <laughs> it it really is a cruel, sick joke like that. The minute you make the uh, NCAA tournament for the first time ever. And then a few weeks later, you're not you're going D three for an honestly an unethical and a, and a terrible economic decision. Yeah, I, I was a tour guide for the school, and I really liked that job a lot. I couldn't imagine promoting that and telling that with parents. That's just I don't know. That and looks the, the yeah, there was right a lot away. of problems with that because they had a lot of signees for the D one program. Yeah, and they had to turn around and tell them saying, "Hey, well, you signed already, and you're going to be playing D three now." That's absolutely unfair. Like, it's a <laughs> terrible. Joke. And we've had one player make it to the NBA, and Vin Baker, and uh, sad. And I'm sure Alex yeah. uh, feels the same way. But um, could we transition it to here? pretty much hit every major conference we need to. And I just wanted to uh, break down the projected top 16 teams. Now, the Division One Men's Basketball Committee shares its top 16 teams every year, and usually these are pretty accurate. Now, it may change, obviously, especially with Conference Championships Week taking place, but usually these are pretty accurate. And as a whole, these aren't officially ranked from the AP top polls or the coaches polls. This is from the committee itself. And I figure the best way to do it is to go through each region. And I'm going to name the four schools. And do you think, one, this is accurate? And two, do you think any of these teams can uh, make at least a deep run of some sorts? So if we start with the South region in Louisville, they project Alabama as the number one school. They'd think Baylor would be a seventh seed, Virginia would be a tenth, and then Indiana as a thirteenth. How do you feel about that? Fine with the three. Indiana is a little bit effy for me. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's pretty low for what they've been uh yeah. changing around this year. I, I wouldn't put them at thirteenth. No, <clears throat> I feel like they're a little too high for thirteenth. I, I would actually lower them, Indiana. Really? Why is that? Yeah, well, I don't feel like you're... I don't feel like they're. They're, they're as good as Zoom. Oh, 13 overall seed. Uh, 13, like, I, I feel like, I don't even, I think they're. You, you mean, like, do you want them, you want them, like, a high, like, a higher, like, closer to one, or? I want them, no, I want them closer to the, I want them out of the top 16. Okay, yeah, okay, I agree with that. So, as a top, okay. out, of, out of the top 16 in general, but not necessarily yeah. as the, uh, so, yeah, and then. The way they do this, these could be the top four teams in the region as well. This is just what okay. they think from the Sweet 16. I should have made that clear before. Okay. So there could be a Bama 1, Baylor, Bama one, Baylor 2, Virginia 3, Indiana 4. Um, like, I don't know. I mean, I even feel like as like a four seed, like I don't – like even as – I don't know. I just feel like that's a little bit high. Like They didn't I, do – they haven't done anything this season that makes them like stand out. Compared to like, like I actually would have teams. them as a five seed in the NCAA tournament, so I, I wouldn't have them in the top sixteen teams. Do you think a Bama, Baylor, Virginia, Indiana could they meet in the uh, Elite Eight from this conference? Do you think any Indiana of these teams can, out of those oh, four you, teams, if they make it, if they run the course, yeah, do you think definitely. They can make the Elite I think eight? definitely. Yeah, definitely. Alabama and Baylor 
are definitely in that conversation. Virginia, uh, again, I don't, I don't like Virginia. Yeah, and they might make top thirty-two, but I don't think they make the elite. I think Indiana is going to make the Sweet Sixteen, though. I do actually. I think Tony. I, I, I could be mistaken, but I think <laughs> you guys took the words out of my mouth. I think Tony Bennett and Virginia. I think they lost to the. They were the first team to ever lose to a sixteen seed like three years That's ago. Right. Right? And they also and then, won yeah. a national championship the year the later, very so. next year. Yeah, it's UMBC. Yeah. They beat them an American <laughs> East team. Uh. I think they're the they're the pretenders. I'm really hot on Indiana. I like Indiana a lot. I think they're well coached. I think they're well disciplined. I've watched a handful of games of them this year. Um, beating Purdue was really big. Um, I, I have a lot of faith in them. Now, moving to the Midwest region in Kansas City, they say Houston, Texas, Tennessee, and Xavier are in there. Uh, I'm very high on Houston. Houston. Yeah, Houston's the, the four out of those. Definitely. Xavier's too inconsistent. Tennessee looks okay. Texas, mm, I think just Houston's just overall way, way too strong. Now, Houston, Houston has to be the favorite, but if if we're going to play spoiler here, which is what we do for entertainment, um, I would definitely ride with Tennessee. Um, I'm definitely riding that orange wave. I, I think they're they're well coached and they're well um they got a lot of, you know, they got a lot of size and a lot of strength. So I'm rocking with Tennessee. Like, you see, now the next one, the, the like, West region is very tough for me because I feel like those are the, I would say, probably the three best teams in the tournament. Like, yeah, and then know, those, um, those yeah. schools in like the West Kansas, region. Like Arizona, Gonzaga. Like, yeah, Gonzaga's number one in uh, an offensive scoring right now. I feel so. like those are the, I honestly feel like those are the three best teams in the country, in, in my estimation. That would make it a fun uh, region, huh? Well, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, I always, I always have to grade them on a West Coast curve. Um, I, I think Kansas and Arizona, the, the proof is in the pudding. K State seems like a wild card. They could be anybody any given day, but I think that's definitely a, like three of the best teams right there, though. Yeah, definitely. I think Gonzaga, the, what the biggest thing about Gonzaga is they, I think they need to be careful who they play. If they play a team that has a really solid. Uh, 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 center, I think they're in trouble. Like a, a big yeah. center, I think that will shut down. What's his name? Uh, Timmy. Yeah, Timmy. Yep. Yeah. And, and that that's a that's an X factor for them. Because Timmy's a finesse guy too. It's not like he's going to be banging. He, he's got him. a nice throw. He's got like a nice little, you know, yeah, like you say, finesse him. But you but put he, someone big on him that can just tower him. He's he's not going to make those shots. There was um there was a few games this year with St. Mary's and Baylor. They got him two fouls within the first 10 minutes of the game. And Mark Feud couldn't even, he could not even recalibrate this team. I think they're so heavily relying on him. And you saw in this, the first St. Mary's game early in the season, I think that they really have kind of like a superiority complex when it comes to that relationship, you know, being the senior, you know, in conjunction with the coach. But I have a lot of faith in Mark Few, but they definitely have to have some kind of course correct with how they handle things in the tournament. And looking out to the East region coming from New York City, we have Purdue, UCLA, Iowa State, and Marquette. Marquette is going to be a sneaker. I think a lot of teams don't understand the, their, the way they play. I think they're very aggressive. They pr- produce a lot of pressure. I think that is like if you don't really do your due diligence and watch how they play, I think they'll they will – steal a game from you definitely mm. 
we all really feel for Marquette. I like this big wee spot. I, I do too. I, I, Iowa State is a sinking ship. I don't know where they got that from. They lost seven. <laughs> I, I, I think Marquette is definitely the um the best, uh, not the best of the four there, but I think that they have the best outside puncher's chance to take down a UCLA. Purdue, I'll tell you what. I mean, I, I was going to say even Purdue, they, you think they could do who is, that to who's Purdue? Who's the other team? No, Purdue. I, the, I, Iowa State. State. Iowa State, this is, that's not right. Iowa State's like a bowl team this year. Yeah. Well, that's uh, not giving you what the committee said. Is, is, the that, committee up, is that updated? That's like, they release it one. They release it right before in mid. They always release it in mid February. Oh, I mean, right now Iowa State's like a bubble team. They're so, tanked. Uh, yeah, they're completely tanked. So, and, and as I mentioned, this could be a a factor. Coming yeah, this is all subject to change. It's stuff that can change. Right, yeah, right. but I mean, it's again. I want to. I want to just. I want to run with the the Marquette narrative for a second because I think that we all kind of shit on the Big East, kind of being the the outside looking in on the Power Five. I, I think that they could really hang with UCLA and Purdue. I, I I keep hearkening back to our UCLA conversation. They don't really have like a huge win on their resume, and I think that Marquette at least has three top twenty team, uh, wins in, in addition to UConn and everybody else in that conference. But I just think that they could sneak up on a team like UCLA, UCLA or Purdue in that in that in that quadrant one. Yeah, yeah. But I think like the strongest thing about Purdue, like I said, is is you shut down Zach. And Purdue is going to struggle. That's the only thing about them. But other than that, it's it, they're two different styles of play. Purdue is a bigger team. They usually they they play around Zach. They dish the ball out whenever the, you know to to try to force the double team to get an open uh, perimeter shot. And then you got Marquette, which is just a bunch of small, fast guards that can you know pace the floor and give you full court defense all game. And, 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 and really at, get you in, in trouble. And I look at Coach Matt Painter for Purdue kind of the same way I do with like with Tony Bennett. It's like it's kind of a guy that's like a familiar face. It's been around, and he's kind of acquired like a really good you know recruitment class year after year and done some good things, but just wasn't just kind of hasn't really caught up to the hype. Like he hasn't really gotten over the hump in certain respects. So like, again, I, I understand that like Tony Bennett has a, has a championship, but it, no one's going to remember that. It's not like they're remembering him like Scott Drew with a championship or, um, or uh, uh, what's his face uh, with Bill Self with, with Kansas. It's like, those are iconic coaches that have, you know, you know, been inheriting and developing and building programs. And I, I just, I don't see that you know, playing out with Painter at, at Purdue. I think that he's a really nice team that's over, you know, over exceeded their potential in the Big Ten Conference, but they could be beaten. And I think that's kind of the moral of this. Yeah, I mean, they haven't, he hasn't made a final four yet, Matt Painter, under, I mean, as a Purdue coach. He's been there for 18 years. So maybe this is his year. It's a long time. Long time. The Boilermakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff ahead. So, anyways, guys, um, now let's put a head on this, and then and as we wait to see the uh, selection Sunday, I want you to pick your champion right here, right now. And as I mentioned, I really like UCLA. I think they're one of the best teams fundamentally. I believe their experience and um, improvements year after year with mostly the same squad can only lead them to making some type of deep run, and hopefully they can finally relive the glories like they did in the 70s. And I just think um, 
I understand that they haven't had as much competition as some of these other schools, but I think that um, high basketball IQ from this team can uh, fundamentally overcome the concerns there. Uh, I'm taking Arizona. That's my champion. All right. Okay. Keep it in the. Go next, Alex. Yeah, go for it. You want me to go next? Yeah. (sighs) The (laughs) other dogs are going to make it this year. UConn. Oh. I believe they can do it. I 100% think they can do it. They've beaten Alabama in the tournament at the beginning of the year. I think it's. Has to come down to we need to play consistent. We need to control the scoring. And I think it's going to come down to Adamo Sonogo needs to have a really good game offensively. Is that your is that your team, UConn? Yeah, UConn, 100%. Oh, yeah. Did you go there? Or... Uh, no, I wouldn't transfer. I'm just a big fan. Big mm-hmm. fan of UConn. Dang. I'll be at the game tomorrow <laughs> yeah, against uh, the Paul. Our, uh, our assistant coach is uh... – I mean, Quinnipiac, uh, their assistant coach now was the coach at Quinnipiac for a while. Tom okay. Moore. Tom Moore. Like, so. Okay, yeah, yeah. Small, small comment on UConn because obviously my heart is rooting for them to go all the way. But um, no, I mean, I, it, just to kind of build off what Brandon said, like, I think that if they stay out of, you know, stay out of foul trouble because they've had foul trouble all year um, playing these big games in the, in the conference, um, if they can stay disciplined on defense and just get a good shot selection, not just constantly, um, you know, resort to Jordan Hawkins, sure, yeah, you know, ridiculous threes, having good ball movement. I mean, they have they have a legit seven footer in Klingon. They have really good three and D guys, Calcaterra and um, and and um, Aline and whatnot. And they have um, just great coaching. I think that they have all the right pieces in the recipe for a good formula. Um, but if I'm going to be realistic, I mean, it's hard not to pick Houston. Um, just in terms of coaching and, and defense and getting shots at the right time. Um, I think if I had to pick a team to win it all, I'm going to just go on, on a, um, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to take Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay. Actually, I like, that's a good pick. Tennessee. I like us being spread out, spread out throughout like the though. country. We have, uh, right. we have UCLA, Arizona, Tennessee and UConn. Imagine if that's a Final Four. <laughs> That'd be a pretty good Final Four. That'd be a pretty good Final Four. Yeah, that'd be a good one. All right. So I will be talking to you guys to two weeks from today as we react to Selection Sunday, and then we can pick our Final Fours from there. And hopefully we uh, not only have a lot of fun with this, but it leads to our expertise getting recognized. But I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Brady Gutierrez, Hayden Nadler, and Alex Renelio. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Let's enjoy these conference tournaments. Sounds good. Have fun, gentlemen. Now that is how you start off the month of March. Great work, gentlemen. Alex, Brandon, and Hayden. I really enjoyed this. Good job, everybody. Excellent show. And I am looking forward to covering the rest of the college basketball season with you, men's college basketball season. And I'm really excited to cover March Madness. So don't forget to check us out in two weeks as we preview the tournament as a whole once Selection Sunday has passed us. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So we're back with you on Tuesday. We are still determining what that Productive Conversation will be, but there's no doubt going to be a new episode, new episode dropping on Tuesday. So you know what? We'll say mystery guests this Tuesday and tune in and find out who that mystery guest is or that mystery panel. But one thing for sure is next Thursday, we are definitely doing an Oscar pod. We're previewing, we're previewing, we are previewing, bah, bah, gotta keep practicing, right? We are previewing the Academy Awards. We are previewing the Oscars. That's happening not this Sunday, but next Sunday, the 12th, also Selection Sunday, so we have a big TV day on Sunday. But yes, we are going to preview the Oscars next Thursday. Chris Bailey is coming back, our Oscar correspondents. Can't wait to see that guy and talk all things Oscars. And uh, pretty much, I've been watching all of these movies late at night. That's all I have time for. And uh, right before bed, I tune in and, and, and you know, this Oscars is interesting. I think the Best Picture nominees as a whole are a little underwhelming, but yet one of them has one of my favorite movies of all time out of it. And that movie, I really think, should sweep the Oscars, and that is totally okay with me. And spoiler, everything, everywhere, all at once, that is going to be... They're going to have a historic night. And if there's one movie you see in your life, watch that one. That movie epitomizes life as well as it can be in a poetic emotional and entertaining way so definitely watch everything everywhere all at once at least before oscar night and um, i'll defend why that should sweep but you know the banshees was good and tar and uh fablemans for best picture nominees i still have to watch some of the oscar the acting categories and writing but uh i've been doing my homework and um I can't wait to get real in-depth with it. So Oscar coverage next week for sure. And then uh, we'll throw in our mystery guest for Tuesday. So let's start our busy month of March on a high note. We definitely accomplished that. And let's keep going higher and higher from there. I hope everybody has a safe and wonderful weekend. And make sure you make some big moves. Spring is right around the corner. So let us enjoy this time we have together and... Let us get ready for a great future ahead. So with that, I want to just thank Brandon Gutierrez, Alex Renelio, and Hayden Nadler for coming on the show and giving their great insight for all things men's college basketball. Thank you to Dolo Ren, a.k.a. Alex DeJesus, for all his work as our associate producer and producing incredible content for the internet. By the time I speak with you on Tuesday, it looks like our YouTube page is going to surpass 100,000 views, and uh, I will give my thanks and praise once that becomes official, but let us uh, cross that number this weekend and... um, you know, another milestone in the book. So let's keep growing there. But besides that, thank you for everyone who contributed. Thank you to the greatest fans and listeners in the world for tuning in every week and always supporting us. You know how much we love you. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, and don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Peace. All she needed was some.